looks up at me and then he just starts shaking. And at that point, I knew it was bad. Deputy team leader shout out to grab the hose and then they like cut me out of my like work shirt. It was like a polo shirt. And then I just remembered like they had the hose on me and I was just like, my arm, my arm, put it on my arm. And then I was like, my face, my face. And then they put it on my face. And then I was like, my arm, my arm. And they put it on my arm. And it's just, as soon as you took the water off one, the other one was burning again. As soon as you took the water, like, it was just constant. It was so painful. It's, it's gonna sound mad, but it was so painful that it didn't hurt. You can't fathom how painful it is. You just, your body just shuts down almost to some extent. What was going through your head? I was genuinely thinking like, oh, what's my girl gonna think when she sees me? What's my girl gonna think when she... That was like one of the main thoughts in my head. I was like shooking it. A huge factor in the downfall of my relationship in the long run. So I just wish I didn't make it out, to be honest. I just didn't want to be here. It was like, what's the point of living like this sort of thing? A massive thought on my mind. And that was a thought that carried on for like a good six, seven months, I think. So mm. I basically actually tried to jump. Like I literally got to the top of the bridge and it was one by a canal. And I basically broke down at the bridge. I was there for like, I don't know how long, maybe 15, 20 minutes just crying. I literally thought, okay, cool. Time to say kind of goodbye to the world or whatever. Literally stood up, closed my eyes. I guess the simplest way to explain it is I'm a burn survivor. Um, that basically means anybody that survived burns in their life um, from one degree upwards, pretty much. Um, I was in a uh, small, well, I don't really know how big it was, but an explosion at work in my old job. And um, basically, the easiest way to explain it was uh, I was at work um, doing my normal job. Uh, it was it was a gas-related job, like a pure oxygen. And um, I turned the handle, which basically allows like the oxygen to flow from one side of the building to the other. Um, and my guess, because obviously I didn't see anything happen, like a, my guess is that the handle either ruptured or the pressure was too much or something and the pipeline burst. Um, and the next thing I remember was being on the other side of the room on the floor, like smoke everywhere, flames uh, in the corner where the handle like was and stuff. Couldn't really hear too much. Um, yeah, um, then I basically, I tried to call for help, but I couldn't really hear myself. So at that point I thought like maybe, like my, my hearing must've just been damaged somewhat because of how loud the thing was. Um, and then like, I couldn't hear a fire alarm either. So like at that point I was just like, well, I can't hear anything and I'm shouting and nobody's coming. So I opened the, the door to like the testing facility area and like all of the smoke literally there's like a corridor outside. All of them smoke just basically filled the corridor, like Whoa. seconds, like, so I couldn't see anything out there. Like when I was shouting for people, I couldn't see anyone. And I just thought, right, okay, like I should probably keep it contained. Cause you know, like if you open a door or whatever and a fire spreads, like at this point I'm thinking the whole airport could go up or whatever. So shut the door again, uh, someone came in um, and he, I didn't even know what he was trying to say something, but like, I couldn't, I couldn't hear him. I'm not great at lip reading anyway. So like, I had no idea what he was saying. And plus he wasn't like English, he had an accent. So I had no chance. Like I had no, no chance. Like he had a strong accent anyway. So I had a, he was like one of the managers. So I had no chance. So I tried to um, go to like the test, the test chamber, the test rig and like turn a few handles to like redirect where the gas was going. Uh, and then like, I quickly realized that I couldn't do that because it, it burst on the main line. So, and that was the source to the testing chamber. So after I realized that, uh, I ran out of the room and uh, I basically headed for like the emergency exit. Cause that's the quickest way for me to get to the cages where like, it, it's basically like the master area for you to turn on and off um, the oxygen supply to the whole building sort of thing. So to the little, there's like a little bottle key you get, um, similar to like what they have in a pub and yeah. what they use to gas up the the pumps for like the ale and the pints and stuff like that. So um, as I'm like running around, like there's like people obviously trying to like run down the stairs and stuff. Cause it's, there's, there's like a multi-story building. So people are upstairs and stuff. They're trying to run down the stairs and like they're running obviously into the smoke. They can't see where they're going. They're now falling down the stairs. I'm like tripping over bodies as I'm trying to like run to get to this uh, fire escape. Eventually got to the fire escape. I've opened it up. Um, and I ran down the stairs and across like, basically like a car park pretty much around the back. And then I got to the cage. I got to the cage and the cage is padlocked with like a number. The number's like one of the managers, like uh, date of birth or something like that. Brav, could not remember the number. Like, <laughs> just oh. flew from my head and I'd, I'd used it like- So so how are you going through the building after being- Bro, I didn't even, explode? cause you have to, like it's quite dark, innit? So like I can't, 
because of the smoke, like I can't really see too much anyway. And like, I just didn't even realize that all of that was happening, innit? I was just like, I'll be real with you. I'm allowed to swear. Yeah, I was like, fuck, I'm going to lose my job. That was the first thing that went into my head. <laughs> I'm not even chatting shit to you. The first thing that went into my head was like, shit, shit, shit. Like I need to like, Cut this off before anyone clocks in it. That's right. <laughs> so, so, cut this that, off before anyone clocks. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like there hasn't been an explosion. Nah, but like that's just what my thought process was. I was just like, maybe nobody heard because I can't hear anything. Do you know what I mean? But that obviously wasn't the case. <laughs> so I'm now thinking, I need to. It's good. That, funny, like I laugh about it now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, true, true, I'm now obviously I've ran to the cage. I can't remember the padlock number. I'm like trying different combinations, and I'm thinking, fuck. And now I'm hearing more bangs, like in the other side of the building. So I'm thinking, rah, like rah. the whole thing's going up. Like I need to get this padlock open. Eventually I tried one combination, it opened, yeah? I'm like, thank fuck, opened it now. And there's like, I think there was six cylinders in total, six big, they're like all five foot nine, five foot 10 cylinders. So they're big cylinders, yeah? Uh, and to close them, it's like a little key, like a little, it's not a key, it's like a little, almost like an Allen key type thing with a hole in it in the shape of a triangle. You put it in, you can turn it. Almost yeah. like a half a turn, maybe a quarter turn at a time. You can't and get the whole way And all of key turns on a quarter thing. Long, yeah, yeah, long. yeah. So you can imagine <laughs> I had to do that six different times for all like, or whatever. So I'm like, closing, closing, closing. Eventually done it, shut the padlock again. And then I'm now thinking, okay, cool. I need to like figure out what's going on. So I've run around the other side of the building now. And that's when I had like first look at my hand. And I was like, rah, like, and it was just, um, like really red. So for me, it just looked like, like when I was a kid, like I used to fall over all the time and like I would be cut and bleeding. So I just thought, okay, I've just fallen. It's just a really bad, bad, like fall over scratch sort of thing. Like it'd be fine or whatever. In, in right? one of your songs, FYI, you said it was a uh, fingers were dripping. Oh, that's TMI. So that's actually, that's a whole nother situation. Oh, that happened whole... after, yeah, yeah, yeah. That happened yeah, like yeah. after, like that's from the aftermath basically. That was kind of like, really struggling with my mental health, tried to take my life type stuff, basically. We'll move on to that one. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, I've now run to like the, the next door entrance that you can go in and, and the airport sites are all like secure. So you have to have a pass to get into everywhere that you go into. So mm. I pulled my, you, you have like a lanyard. You always have to have a lanyard on you so people know who you are. Cause like there's people try to infiltrate the airport and blah, 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 blah. So obviously I pulled the pass. I got like a little pulley thing pull it to go beep it. And then it didn't beep and I'm looking down, I'm like, what? I looked at it and my pass is like half melted in half. Like, what? yeah, I'm thinking like, oh, my day's raw. Like, this is peak. So at this point now, I've got to run basically round to like reception. And as I'm running, like the deputy team leader guy, um, he's in a different department technically, but like there's no, there's no like leader for my department. So we just have like, we just report to the people that are in a different department because they're the only ones that they have team leaders for. So uh, he kept, he finds me and he just looks at me like, shit, like, what the fuck happened to you type vibe? So then he's like, come with me. So he opens the door. Uh, and as we're running, I'm thinking, oh, I need to run to the bathroom and just like wash this off or whatever. So I go to, the go to go to the bathroom because there's a bathroom literally just there for like the office staff. And he's like, no, 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 follow me. Grabs like a first aid kit off the wall. Um, and then we run to like the goods in, goods out delivery area, which is also like the smoking area um, for people. And some people just have their breaks. They'll go out there for fresh air or whatever. Uh, this was during COVID as well. So like there was no, there was like half the workforce. There was maybe like 40 people in in total. Um, so when we get there, there's like maybe like 25, 30 people in the smoking area or whatever. Um, and I still can't hear like a fire alarm going off. So I'm also, I'm thinking, why the hell is everybody here just chilling? So you know people like, so you know like movies where they see stuff happening in like 100 hours and you just see that, that ring? Mm -hmm. You say that's what you was just... Maybe, kind of like, maybe it's hard to remember, to be honest. Like, a lot of it is patchy, innit? So, a lot of it's quite patchy, but um, I got there. When I got there, um, everybody was just looking at me like, what the fuck happened? And I'm also thinking, like, why is everybody out of work? Everybody should be working. I'm the only one fucking working. Everybody's just chilling here, doing their job. So, anyway, uh, he shouts for, like, a first aider. Like, who's a first aider? Anybody first aid trained? And, like, everybody's just looking at each other, like, it's a furloughed all of the first aiders, obviously. <laughs> so that there's no first aiders. So anyway, he's like, what? Nobody's first aid trained. So then somebody runs over now. Uh, and like, he's clearly, maybe he was first aid trained, but like um, his certificate ran out or something like that. So um, 
he opens up the thing on the floor. Uh, he looks down at like the stuff that's in there. So I'm assuming there's like what bandages, plasters, eye solution and that. He looks up at me and then he just starts shaking. And at that point, I knew it was bad. Like at that point I was like, oh shit, like this must be bad if he's like shaking, like he doesn't even know what to do. So then uh, the deputy team leader shouted to grab the hose. They grabbed the hose. Next thing I remember I was in a chair, like an office chair and they were just drenching me down with the hose. Um, and then they like cut me out of my like work shirt. It was like a polo shirt. And then I just remembered like they had the holes on me and I was just like, my arm, my arm. They put it on my arm and then I was like, my face, my face. And then they put it on my face. And then I was like, my arm, my arm. And they put it on my arm. And it's just, as, as soon as you took the water off one, the other one was burning again. As soon as you took the water, like, it was just constant. So then they had someone running back and forth between like the water machine, you know, like normal like water machine, like a, what, one of those virgin things or whatever. And they would just basically get ice cold water. They'd bring it in a jug, run back, and they'd try and pour that on my face or on my arm. And they'd just have someone literally doing laps doing that. Um, then, I don't know how long the time was, ambulance turned up. They gave me like two paracetamol or something, or ibuprofen or whatever it was. Um, kept like wetting it down, cut me out of like all of my clothes eventually. Um, and then they basically was like, okay, cool, we gotta go like in the ambulance to the hospital. And I was just like, nah, I can't leave. Like it's, it's like it's too much pain. Like if I leave, like it's gonna be bare hot. Like I need the water on me constantly. And obviously the the hose is like an unlimited supply of water. So I was just like, I'm, I can't, I can't, I can't. I've got to wait for it to cool down. Cause like literally it felt like I was under the water for like an hour and it was still like, you take it off for a second, like it was fresh. That's what it felt like. So. For me, I was just like, nah, I can't leave, I can't leave, I can't leave. What was going through your head? I'll be, I'll be so real. <laughs> like, I was just, I was genuinely thinking like, oh, what's my girl gonna think when she sees me? What's my girl gonna think when she... That was like one of the main thoughts in my head. I was like shook in it. Cause the relationship was like quite new then. So when it happened, it was like, I guess like, I don't know. We'd only really established like a personal, relationship like soon after but when you first meet it was based off of looks and stuff because we met on a dating app so now i'm thinking crap i don't look any i'm not gonna look like how i look she's gonna see this and do you know what i mean so okay. that's what was going through my head one of the things um then i was like cool okay i'm going i'll go in the ambulance whatever i'll go in the ambulance they said that they can put pour water in it in the ambulance so i got into the ambulance i'm laying on the stretcher and the guy's pouring water pouring water pouring water then maybe like 15, 20 minutes into the journey, he's like, yo bro, like, I'm so sorry, we've run out of water. And I'm thinking, rah, like, and at that point, I just had to go into the maddest level, like meditative state, because I just, I don't know, bro. I just, it was so painful that, it's, it's gonna sound mad, but it was so painful that it didn't hurt, if that makes sense. Like you, you can't like, you can't fathom how painful it is. So like, you just, your body just shuts down almost to some extent. So I was just, I don't know. I just closed my eyes and I was just trying to breathe. And then the next thing I remember, uh, I got stretched out of the, out of the ambulance into like a hospital room. Then I woke up, I don't know how long later, and my mum was there and my dad was there. Um, and then they gave me like some more medication to kind of like make my arm numb. Um, and they'd like, basically almost just got like a soap and sponge and just like scrubbed off all of like the dead flaky skin and stuff. And then after that, like my hand was like white underneath, like, uh, do you know what? I've got a picture actually, one sec, I'll show you. Where's my phone? Yeah, it was like, it was basically like white, white. It was, I, I couldn't believe it, so. Oh, was it almost skeleton white? Yeah, um, nah, just like, Freeze. like if I was Caucasian sort of thing. <laughs> Why is that funny? It's just a comparison, bro. <laughs> but how it's else was I supposed to say it? Bro. That's crazy. How else was I supposed to say it? Like, uh, okay, cool. So. You see this? Yeah, like this. Oh, yeah, that is just man. like you were yeah, Caucasian. So, so, yeah, so that was like the situation. And well, that was like my arm and my face and stuff. So um, then I remember, like, they said I needed to go to another hospital. But I just woke up in the other hospital. I don't even remember how I got there. So I was in another hospital, like 45, 50 miles away, like near Brighton kind of way. And they have like a specialist like burns unit. So that's why they took me there sort of thing. It's called the Royal, Royal Victoria or something mm -hmm. like that. So I was there uh, and then I just basically became an inpatient there. 
Um, and they had like a therapist come and see me like daily while I was in there, uh, just to chat to me, see how I was. They gave me um, some food, like obviously you have hospital food when you're there. Um, they had some food that they gave me there, which basically gave me an allergic reaction. I went into anaphylactic shock. What? Yeah, so what that was like a whole nother, like the worst situation for my mum, obviously. Um, yeah, like, what was it like your mum and dad thinking when you just, <laughs> I mean, to just get, I could imagine they've got the cool Yeah, so, it, so, ba so for what I understand, I, I got told that um, somebody obviously grabbed my phone and they called, cause like your phone's locked. The lot, I think you can call like the last person that called you or whatever. They somehow managed to use like either Siri or something to call like the last person. And the last person was my boy, um, Slays. And Slays then like called my brother and then called my sister and then they called my mom and my dad and that's how it worked. So like the information was like second, third and fourth hand basically the way he got it. But I, do you know what? I haven't really spoken to my parents about it, like how they felt or anything like that because I just tried to not bother them. Do you know what I mean? So. Man. I don't know, they're probably already going through enough, isn't it? So, is what it is. But yeah, I was in that hospital for like a week maybe. Um, and yeah, I was anaphylactic shock. Then they took me out of it. They did like some form of operation on my arm where they had to inject something into my bone. Um, I remember when I was in the anaphylactic shock, they removed, I had this, um, they put this thing on my arm and they they layered it like a cast. So like they they put this mad level cream on it, then they layered it, layered it, layered it. And then I remember I was just in I was in the bed and I was just like kind of like wheezing a bit. And I didn't really know why I was wheezing. And I thought, oh, should I like tell someone? I was like, nah, it's fine. Like I left it for like 15 minutes and then like my wheezing got heavier and heavier. And then like I started to struggle to breathe, pressed the little button. And um when the woman came, I just said, like, oh, um, uh, she's like, you okay? I was like, yeah, I'm all right. But like, I just think I'm like kind of struggling to breathe a little bit. Like, nothing like too crazy. I just think I'm struggling to breathe like a little bit, yeah? And she goes, she goes, she's struggling to breathe. And I went, yeah. And she goes, okay. And sprints off, bro. And I swear, I instantly went into a panic attack. Like, I was going to say, I would instant, Because yeah. I was like, raw, like it's a minor. Why are you like moving like the world is about to end? So I shat myself, bro. So then I just remember waking up, um, like six doctors around me, plus the woman who was a nurse. And all of that stuff that they put on my arm was completely gone off now. So they think that either I had a reaction to something that I ate in the hospital or to whatever that stuff was, because that was made out of pineapple skin and apparently that's supposed to help with burns. So, um, so yeah, uh, I was there for quite a few days. Uh, my girl came to visit me, my family, my friends. I was literally about to ask about you girls. Yeah, 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 yeah. She came, how, how like, the, she came like twice. Um, how was the first interaction? Boy, well, I spoke to her on the phone first, didn't it? So, um, but I was obviously like quite sedated with what like a lot of medications. She was just like, oh, you're right. And I was like, of course not. <laughs> what kind of question is that? He's dumb. Like, <laughs> what am I supposed to say? Yeah, like, of course I'm not all right. Like, well, otherwise I'm gonna come home. Like, do you know what I mean? So, um, but. <laughs> <laughs> I, now that I think about it, yeah, it's actually right. a mad question. How could she ask me that? Nah, now that I think about it, like, yeah, but I don't know. Maybe she might have been in a headspace that was like, okay, well, what do I actually ask? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I guess you do ask people if they're okay when they're in the hospital or something. So, um, yeah, that was just a whole, I guess, mad episode. So I went home after a week and then I had to go literally and do like daily visits for the first week, second week by daily third week, like every three days, fourth week. And that was up to seven weeks basically, where they basically had to change my dressings. So, cause they like literally was like oozing through it, stunk like really, really bad. No. Did um, you ever get like, um, I know sometimes when you have a burn, if it ever gets so infected, you might lose your arm. Was that ever a case with you? Nah, it wasn't that bad because basically like, so my girl at the time was like literally just driving me back and forth. Luckily she was working from home, but she worked for the government and um, she was working from home why are you laughing? So yeah, she um she was driving me back and forth to the hospital sort of thing. And um yeah, to basically get changed. And then eventually got to the point where they basically just taught her how to do it and then she started changing it sort of thing. So but like it was like within a day, like the whole bandage just like changed color and shit like that to like brownie, ready kind of, yeah. It was bare, gunky and disgusting. I had to sleep with my arm like bare, weird and like my head up, it was all mad. It was just mad uncomfortable. So where specifically were you burned? 
So it shot up my arm like this and then hit me in the face. So it's like my whole arm up onto my face, basically, sort of no thing. Way. And that was so it. And then a little bit on my neck and stuff as well. But yeah. um, like, cause, so basically the way it happened was the handle was like in front of me and I, you, cause it's on the floor, like the pipeline's on the floor, you have to bend down. So I was like that, basically leaning forward. So obviously the handle's obviously whatever and it's just gone like that, basically. So okay. yeah, so I was, I was just lucky, but like, I'm very lucky because I've seen shit go wrong with that stuff. Like when you do your training and stuff in like college and that, they show you videos of stuff that's happened to people. And normally it's like what the day? remnants of a person is like a thumb or like no. a foot or yeah, bro. So like, I was like, I'm just blessed to be here still to be fair. I'm very, very blessed to be here. But yeah, so uh, I got home. Uh, after the first week and uh, I was back in my flat I had a flatmate at the time one of my bridges and uh, basically it was a letter basically saying that we're making you redundant because um, we can't like afford to like reopen your department now that it's like exploding or whatever sort of thing so that was a low blow like that was like what the fuck like I've been working for you for time do you know what I mean and like and also another thing that was peak was like their probation was like 24 months for some reason. Bro. So I know, yeah, I know, right? And um, they was like, oh, no, nah, but most people, like, it's just to protect the company because people come here and then they leave. But like, most people don't pass it in six months or whatever. And they just, I was pressing them and they just never passed it, never passed it. Like, they didn't even pay me the money that was supposed to pay me originally. They told me once mm. I'd done like certain training that I'd get like more money. I was pressing them for the training. I did the training and they still didn't pay me the money. Like, let me not even get into it. It was just a whole nother situation with those guys. But, um, yeah, when I got that letter, that just broke me mad. Cause I thought this has happened to me, like it's cool though, my company got me in it. And like, it just wasn't that at all. They just didn't, they wanted to wash their hands of the whole situation. So yeah, that sucks. Uh, and that just put me in a mad bad headspace. Then also after I was left as an inpatient uh, and I was going back for the bi-daily visits and the daily visits, I was supposed to see a therapist every single time I went there. And the woman that they had who was supposed to see me, like just never turned up. Like she just- Why beat. didn't she turn up? Like she never ever turned N up. So other than like when I was in the hospital, she okay. was never there. So the first time I went and they said she wasn't there, they basically just said that um, she couldn't come in that day. The next time I went, they said that she came in the day before and not the day that I was there because uh, apparently there was restraints. So there was more patients on the day before. So that's mm -hmm. why she came in that day. Um, and then later on, I actually found out that they'd cut the funding for the NHS, so like they basically couldn't afford to have her. So how important was the therapy to you? Oh bro, like just being able to speak to someone that's completely impartial, like, and obviously she she's a therapist who's already dealt with burnt survivors in the past. So she knows how to speak to people in a certain way, other than like your friends who are just obviously just trying to be sympathetic and your family and stuff. My mom is really good because my mom was a psychiatric nurse. So like she understood my mental health perfectly, but like everybody else, like, she just understood what it takes to keep me in a safe headspace so that like I didn't do anything stupid with myself or like I wasn't overthinking things and stuff. So like I think that is probably like paramount. Like and then when she left, recovery. where was your thinking space after? I've had no clue what to do to be honest. I was just like, well what am I supposed to do now? Like it was just it was just peak. But I was very lucky that I remember the first day I met her, she gave me this um leaflet that had a bunch of different like I guess charities and helplines on it. And she was just like, if there's ever any time that like, obviously I'm not here. Cause like at night she wasn't going to be there. Mm -hmm. um, there was like, some of them were 24 hours. So she was just like, there's numbers on here you can call um, and there'll be someone there to speak to you. So on there they had like Samaritans. There was like talk to Frank. It was just like a generic leaflet. Um, and then I saw the Katie Piper foundation on there. So as soon as I found out, I think it must've been like the third week like that she'd basically not turned up. That's when I was like, okay, cool. I need to go through this leaflet and see if I can get some help. So I looked through the leaflet and um, the only one in there that said like for burn survivors was the Katie Piper Foundation. That was literally the only one. So I just put two and two together and I thought, okay, well that's the one I need to contact. Like, mm. So um, I gave him a call uh, and they basically like set me up on like their WhatsApp network straight away. And like within a week I had a therapist, uh, I had a, I had a, a physiotherapist. I also had, um, what else did they get me now? Uh, a nutritionist, a yoga teacher, 
Um, mm. Bro, it was it was serious. Um, proper looked after. And then, yeah, yeah, proper, proper. Like there was someone on my case like every hour, like calling me, making sure oh, I was okay, not sick, doing sick. anything silly. Then yeah, I had the yoga sessions, I had physiotherapy sessions because like I needed to be able to move my hand again. Like I had to learn to use my left hand completely for anything. So, um, and then yeah, I had someone who was constantly talking to me, checking in on me and stuff like that. Uh, and then yeah, I had a personal trainer they got me as well who did um, videos with me because they have like a center um, in like the middle of England that like the burn survivors go to for like mm. a eight to nine week course <laughs> physiotherapist, which was like, sick uh her name's kelly like they got kelly she's 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 sick she's so so sick like literally she used to go for like runs with me like on the oh, phone sir. yeah yeah i was doing like 20k at one point See, sir. yeah bro i was running running like literally so and i just wouldn't even realize so and she would be running her route and i'd be running my route headphones like watch each other and she'd just like encourage me through it they should do sessions with me like over video call like and just push me through it. Yo, like, 20k is a long run. You know? nah, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. it's a long 20K, run. Bro. Right, it's I, a I long run. About 5K, nah, yeah, I got to the point where I was doing 20, like casually doing 20k. That's like casually like, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I was trying to like beat my times and stuff like that. So Are you reckon you could do 20k now? Right now, no, because basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, waiting, I'm waiting for the excuse, bro. <laughs> nah, nah, I come off a, I come off a scooter in it and um uh, I tore my ACL and my MCL and my uh, meniscus on both sides. Ooh. So I've been like recovering from that for like the last year still. So, Same but I've I'm, I don't know. I've got this like determination thing in my head. So it's not like a can my body handle it. It's just more about my mind. Like I can switch my mind. How is your knee? Because I tore my meniscus. Oh, bro, and, still, I, and I've just started running back. I'm not gonna lie, it's still peak. I'm it's peak. Lie. Yeah, it's still peak. It will, it will never be the same as it was. I'll be real with you. Yeah, yeah. I agree. But I will eventually get back to running at some point. So yeah. I just, I just got to take my time with it. Really, there's no, no like you have to do the physio in it. So I'm a bit lazy with the physio at times. But if I get on top of it, I know I'll be better. Like I can run. Like I have done. Like I don't know. Run to the shop But like I haven't tried to do like a like a run like a run around. Like I go around and do yeah. like a run mm. like a 1k or a 5k or a 10k or whatever. So I just don't know. Every time I've tried to do any activity, it's like swirled up again. So I just didn't want to like okay. overdo it sort of thing. So So did like you ever find out what happened to why the NHS got cut off or anything like that? No, nah, no reason. No, because well, so because of the COVID outbreak, the NHS was already stretched. And you remember they had to bring in like um, COVID nurses, where they had like actual people just come in and help and stuff like that. And they were doing it in the was it the Nightingale Centre that they turned the XL into. Well, again, we know, yeah, that after Brexit, they they originally said they were going to put more money into the NHS when when Brexit happened, and a lot obviously it was fifty one percent leave, forty nine remain. So obviously the 51% leave guys believed that we were gonna have more money for this and this and this and this. And then they just didn't give the money to the NHS. Like there was a couple of interviews, people saying that, oh, we never said that and blah, 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 blah. But like, oh, okay. they did say that. So, and obviously the NHS was so madly stretched during COVID that they had to just bring in like normal everyday people to help them. So there was no chance that like the therapist was gonna hang around for me they were, or they were gonna have money to pay the therapist. When and then how did that like affect you when you already been speaking to somebody who's been helping you get through it and it, now you've got... I'll be real with you, one. it's so difficult going from having someone who's supposed to be like your comfort blanket to having like zero instantly. Cause there wasn't even like a, oh, uh, she's not here, but there might be someone else you could speak to. It was just, she's not here to, now she's never here sort of thing. So yeah. that was like a low blow, if anything. Yeah. It was just so difficult to come to terms with that. And I think mainly, like my thought process is kind of like when I'm alone now, there's not really much yeah. I can do. I just have to You're alone. deal what with it. To, what happened to your wifey? Bro, not everything you could talk about with your girl, innit? Do you get what I'm saying? Mm. Like, and she, remember, she's not a therapist for burn survivors. So true, she true. will never be able to understand what I've gone through. Whereas like the therapist, again, probably won't ever be able to understand what I've gone through, but has experience with dealing with people who have specifically been mm. in this situation. So she understands the microaggressions, she understands the attitudes, the behaviors, okay. she got what I'm saying. So she can recognize patterns in me to make sure that I'm good. Whereas yeah, my girlfriend's yeah. kind of just on the fly, trying to figure stuff out and constantly <coughs> Googling stuff to try and help me and all of this kind of stuff. So they were, so like, let's say for example, those nights where you was by yourself in a hospital mm -hmm. or you was alone, like Moby, 
What was going through your head? I'll be real. I was just like, a lot of the time I was like, why me? Like, what did I do to deserve this? Why me? Like, mm. of all people in the world that have done mad shit, like, what did I actually do to deserve this? Like, I was like in a decent job. Like, I had a girl, like, I had a car. Like, I was moving on with my life. I was trying to save for a mortgage and all that. Do you know what I mean? So I just didn't understand how I was the one who got picked to be in that specific situation. And it could have easily been, so there's two people that work in that department and there's one other guy. And as I said, they furloughed like 50% of the workforce. So they just cut it in half. So obviously one of us went and he volunteered to go in it. So like, it could have been him. Do you get what I'm saying? But it wasn't, it was me. So um, I don't know, man. I just, I don't, I, I still think why me sometimes, if I'm completely honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a part of me was just like, well, I just wish I didn't make it out, to be honest. I just didn't want to be here. It was like, what's the point of living like this sort of thing? So that was like a massive thought on my mind. And that was a thought that carried on for like a good six, seven months, I think. So, mm-hmm. and that was probably a huge factor in the downfall of my relationship in the long run. So, yeah. Why, why didn't you feel like you didn't want to be here? Because, like, bro, it, I can't. Putting it bluntly, you just feel useless. Like you can't do anything. Like I was, I felt like a baby. Like everybody had to do stuff for me all the time. So like I couldn't tie my shoelaces. Like I couldn't put on my shoes. Uh, like you can't really, like I've got like two mattresses. So like I couldn't get out of bed properly. Like I couldn't really get in bed. Like to get in bed, like I'd have to fall. Do you get what I'm saying? Like I couldn't just like, I'd have to like jump and fall sort of thing. So, um, you can't really cook properly, like literally, you can't use one hand to stir the pot, do you get what I'm saying? Like the pot's mm. moving everywhere. There's so many, like even like brushing my teeth and showering, like obviously I had to learn to use my left hand, but like you have to turn on the shower with your left hand, like then turn it on to make sure it's warm, then get in the shower, like scrub with your left hand, bro. Everything's like twice as long now because I don't have the muscle memory that I had with my right hand to do everything. So mm. I now have to learn how to do it with my left hand. I have to learn how to like, Anything, like if even if it's like you're clipping your toenails or you're shaving or whatever mm. like that, like doing everything with your opposite hand, bro, it's a completely different category when it comes to just having your everyday life. Like we take for granted like the ability that we have when we've used one hand consistently or one foot like a footballer uses consistently. Mm. You switch to the other one, it's mm. almost like you're you're no one again. Do you know what I mean? So it's bro, it's just, I was just getting fed up of not being able to do things that I could normally do. Like, get, using my phone with my left hand, jarring. Like, <laughs> trying to type on a laptop, jarring. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's not, you just see things so differently. So, and I just got fed up. Like, I couldn't change, oh, bro, the longest one was trying to change bed sheets, bro. I can't even explain to you how long that is. Like, like pillowcase is jarring, bro. Because you know that the pillowcases have the little thing that tucks in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Bro, like you, bro, try, go and try and change a pillowcase one handed, innit? Go and try and change it, because obviously the hammer's in like a toss and a sling thing. Like, go and try and change a pillowcase one Or the maddest one was um, the uh, the duvet cover. Because I don't know how you lot change your duvets, but when I do it, I turn it inside out and then like okay, drop yeah, it. Yeah, bro, yeah. how am I supposed to do it with one hand? Do you get no, what I'm saying? One hand. So it, it, it's just every so normal it, everyday activities. You better do it inside out. I don't do that's it inside. Oh, no, 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 like, no, 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 I think all he doesn't I, get what we're saying. All I know like, is I need two hands to change my Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you need two hands to do it, but then same so thing with like- the corners. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that, I hear yeah. that. But then same thing with like driving, I couldn't drive because I need two hands to drive. Like I, I drive a manual car. It's like, you'd have to do, it'd be mad trying to, imagine trying to turn a corner and change gear and it's just too much to try and think about. So, um, yeah, I just thought, I, f- I felt useless. I felt like I couldn't do anything. I wasn't any help to anyone. I wasn't any help to myself. Like I had this book that was um, the Kate Piper Foundation basically taught me to just write down my feelings, my emotions and anything that comes to mind. Again, I was doing that with my left hand. So yeah. it literally just looks like chicken scratch most of the time. Like for the first four or five months, it literally- Mad. Like, illegible, basically. So um, it took a while for me to actually understand how to, use my left hand properly. You just have you just have to do everything like slower to be able to do it. Like if you ever try and write with your left hand, you can never try Myth. or like opposite hand. If you it actually is. want it to make sense, you have to write slow. Like you, you mm-hmm. can't just go and do it at the same pace as you do with your normal hand. So 
Um, it was just long. That was it was just so long. And for me, it was just like, nah, man, fuck life. What's the point in being here? Because I'm, I felt like genuinely I was going to be that, be like that for the rest of my life. Like it's, you cannot see, well, maybe some people can, but for me, and I'm pretty sure most survivors, when it first happens, you cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel at all. It doesn't exist to you. You just think this is it. Like you're stuck. So, so how did you make money? Cause Cause you, yeah. Cause you said the job made you redundant. Uh, so I lost my flat. That was with my friend. Um, I had to move back in with my rents. Okay, now you lost the flat with the friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could he cover you? Huh? Could he cover nah, you? Nah, because he was furloughed as well. So he was obviously getting a reduced uh, wage okay. as it was. Um, and you and were then, just getting nothing, innit? Yeah, I was getting nothing. So, so what did he say? Uh, he got vexed with me. He thought like, well, we've lost our home because of you, basically. It's how he took it. So... Um, oh. And at first he was really supportive because like he's the one who basically helped me start music, if that makes sense. Mm. But then after, like, because I had a little bit of savings, so I was there for about two months. But once it hit the second month and like, I, I told him I couldn't afford it, he was like, are you joking? Because he come from like a really, just like a difficult background with his family. So he was from like Weymouth and he had to move uh, to London to basically get away from his family. So London was like a safe haven. So he felt like I was taking his home away from him. But it was like, I, there wasn't anything I could do about it. And then, so obviously I was going back to live with my parents and he obviously didn't have the luxury of going back to his family. So for him, it was like, oh, you're a dickhead, bro. How could you do that to me sort of thing? Just Bruh. make some money online or something. That was his thought process. So yeah, I know. Man said make some money online. Like I, <laughs> I know, like, but like, like, like logging and getting about I know, that. but like in his, <laughs> I think in his head, he just looked at it. Like he was struggling a lot with his mental health as well. Like mm. really, really badly. So I think for him, it was just like, he'd found this solace in it um, and a safe space away from his family. And now it was at threat and he was in a rush. So he was now in a situation and maybe it was a fight or flight response. I'm not sure, but mm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what goes on the other people's where is heads he now? in it. Um, Steve I, to be honest, he, mo he moved like maybe like 15, 20 minutes down the road, but he just stopped contacting me. So there's really much I could do about it. So. That's what it is. Shit. Yeah. Uh, then I moved back in with my rents. I was there and that was quite difficult, to be honest. Like, just, I'd never seen my dad like that before. So my dad travels quite a lot for work. But what they did was, um, and my mum as well, she lives in Ireland. So everybody basically came home and they were kind of taking shifts to kind of look after me, if that makes sense. Because mm. um, obviously I couldn't, like, make food or mm. I just... I couldn't even get changed, bro. Like, literally, like, trying to put on, like, your boxers and your trousers with one hand is a myth, bro. A T-shirt's a myth. Like, it's mm -hmm. it's just so much harder. Do you know what I mean? You put it on every day, you take it for granted. It's so easy to do, but, bro, it's just long, bro. How'd you, the amount of times I tell you putting my boxers on, I fell over. It's ridiculous. Like, ridiculous, bro. So, it's like... There's not really much you can do about it. <laughs> now that I think about it, yeah, it's so dumb. Like, but it is literally that's what that's literally what it gets to. Like, you're putting it in your boxes, you're just like tripping over your own feet, trying to find your balance. The same hand that you're using to try to pull the boxes up is now the same hand you gotta try to use to catch yourself before you fall over. Like it's all mad. Like, literally, I become a break dancer at one point. Like <laughs> so um yeah, that was difficult living with my parents because mm. one, like I, I was, I had my own independence and I was an adult, so it was just different, a different dynamic, I guess. Being back with my parents, kind of just treating me like a kid again. But two, almost kind of needed to be treated like that because I couldn't really do much for myself anyway. Um, then, yeah, my girl at the time, basically our relationship just, I just wasn't myself. Uh, at all and this is kind of where like TMI came from um, like I told you like I didn't really want to live so um, I had the Katie Piper Foundation helping me out and obviously I was going for runs with Kelly on the FaceTime and stuff um, but there'd be times where like Kelly might have another session with another survivor and I just was like I was just so in the zone that I wanted to continue running or something so we'd do like 15 and then she would have to start running home she'd run home um, and then she'd just say okay send me a message when you get in and I'd just keep running and I'd get lost. I'd run canals like through farms and stuff. Like I'd been chased by horses, all sorts of crazy stuff. And um, just a couple of times there was a route where I ran where there was like a few like train bridges or like um, like water bridges and stuff like that. So, and 
I would just stop and look at them like most of the time and just think about just jumping like nice easy quick way to deal with it painless if a train hits me or I drown or whatever because they were quite high and the last time I went to one like I basically actually tried to jump like I literally got to the top of the bridge and it was one by a canal and I basically broke down at the bridge I was there for like I don't know how long maybe 15 20 minutes just crying like and then I literally thought okay cool time to say kind of goodbye to the world or whatever literally stood up closed my eyes and as I took the step off literally as I took the step off like this woman just grabbed me and pulled me down like it mad it was so mad so she pulled me down and she obviously asked me what I was doing what was wrong um and bro like I just basically just burst into tears in her arms I'll be completely honest with you like for like 15 20 minutes I was just crying in her arms um, and then she basically, she was, she was also on a run. So it was basically another runner. Um, and then she just walked with me for like the next half an hour. Um, and basically told her like kind of what happened to me. Um, and she was just like, well, like it's fine. Like things happen in people's lives. And she was just like, look, like, I don't want you to die. I don't know you, but I don't want you to die. Like there's more in life to live for. Um, and then, uh, she called my dad, my dad come pick me up. Um, my dad was like, I could tell he was like angry, but like he didn't want to show it. So um, then after that, I guess um, I just stayed in contact with her. Like we went a couple lunches here and there sort of thing. Um, and she just became like a really good friend. Swear. And then it kind of just fizzled out because of like a partner she was with just wasn't really happy with me talking to her. So um, basically we just lost, lost contact after a while. So I guess it's upsetting, but like God, brings angels into your life for certain reasons. So, and that was just my sign to know that, okay, I'm supposed to be alive and I need to do something positive in my life now. So, mm. um, yeah, I then, when I got home that day, um, that that actually happened like while, like the relationship was like <clears throat> very like, it was literally on the rocks. It was like two weeks and then it was done after that sort of thing. And so, it's last legs. Yeah, so then that was like another obviously mad blow. Um, after that, because it was like, oh, like my life is shit. Like, and what was like her reason for ending it? So she just, it? she just said that she, she couldn't really, like I didn't really get a full reason, but she was basically just saying that she was struggling with how I was and I'm not the person I was that she met. And I, I got that because I wasn't, my mental health changed to the point where it completely deteriorated. So I reacted differently to situations. I was like, bro, like even still now, if like, if mad, like honestly, the other day, like the microwave just like stopped randomly. Like I was, I put in, um, I don't know, like a hot pot or something like that. I think it was, you know, the thing with the potatoes and mm. whatever. I put that in like a vegan hot pot and I put four minutes and it just stopped. Like cut out for no reason, bro. And I started bugging out. Cause for, bro, it, I don't know why, but like for me, it's like, if I like see like a gas cylinder or if I see like, um, if I hear like ticking or something, a bro in my head, it's just if like a bomb's gonna go off in it. So I just start bugging out. So I'm trying yeah, to like, like get a trigger. out of the place. Yeah, hundred percent. So, and I didn't realize that I still had that. I thought like I'd, I'd been over that and stuff, but literally the microwave the other day, like, and it wasn't even the ding, like it was just, it just stopped. And like, for me, I was like, why has that stopped? Like next <laughs> thing I know, bro, like I'm, like scared to go to the microwave and like press the buttons. I don't know what's gonna happen in it. And mm. when I was younger, I used to watch this show called like Brainiac or something like that. I can't even remember what it was. And like they used to like do, yeah, and they, <laughs> that was the bank show. And they used to like do all the explosions with the microwaves and like all of this like, how long can an egg last in the microwave? And all of the like random mm. stuff. So in my head, that's what went, do you know what I mean? That's the first reference I've gone to. So I'm thinking, rah, is the hot pot gonna do a madness? <laughs> so, so I'm trying to stop bro. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 yeah, so I didn't realize I was still struggling like that, but I am still, I'm still on medication. I'm still on antidepressants. So, I mean, mm. it's for a reason, isn't it? So one of the quotes you said, which was massive, uh, which should be important to a lot of the viewers who have now heard your story mm -hmm. is we may not choose our circumstances, but we do choose our attitude and our response. Mm -hmm. So how was you able to take yourself from that situation and create a bigger path and brighter path for yourself because now rapper performing 
trying to. You're out. You're out there. <laughs> people are seeing to. you. Yeah. Mm. Um. So for me, it was more like I just needed an outlet, something creative that was gonna help me keep my mind focused on something, so that I wasn't thinking about the negative thoughts. Um. And that's what um, Katie Piper helped me out with um, in terms of writing in the book. So I just continue, I was always writing in the book and I still write in the book till today. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, there's like, there's multiple books now, but like I'm literally just throwing my thoughts in there. Like whatever's going on in my head. It's, for me, it's like a form of meditation. Like some people meditate, I just, I write. So um, any thought, like sometimes it'll be a letter to myself, like, yo Mo, feeling like this today, um, I know yesterday was a bad day, but today we got to try and move forward. We got to try and be a little bit more positive. Um, I'm sorry that you're not feeling too great today, but like, let's just look at what's good and let's focus on those things. Or sometimes it'll be like, oh, Mo, today's been dead, bro. I don't rate it at all. Like, you should have done this, you should have done that. Why haven't you done this? Why haven't you done that? Okay, get up and go again tomorrow sort of thing. So sometimes it can be quite self-loathing. Sometimes it can be positive. It really just depends. But they just told me that I have to be honest with myself in it. And... That's what I try and do. I just literally, whatever's in my head, I try to be honest with myself. And then I just put like, normally a date and then I sign it so that I know that like I told myself that sort of thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. So does that relate to the music as well? Yeah. So the book basically turned into the lyrics eventually. Mm -hmm. um, but the book, the book's still the book now. Uh, and the lyrics have kind of just gone into like notes in my phone. But there was there was the time where okay. I was writing lyrics in, in a book before. And what um, were some of the lyrics you wrote in the book? <sighs> They're a bit mad, I can't lie. I don't know if I can say <laughs> I don't know if I can say them. Um, Give us just an insight. Like some of them were just like quite descriptive ways in the way that I want to like take my life, I would say. Um, oh. And then some of them were just like... Damn, I can't even say boss to that because that's not yeah. what I want to hear. Yeah, no. So, and then other ones were just to do with the government. Um, like, was a, there was a lot of stuff to do with the government and mm. like the judicial system and and how things were basically happening in the world during the COVID time and what things weren't fair and what things were fair. Um, basically, anything that was in a higher relation to somehow directly affect me um, is kind of what I was basically expressing myself on because it was kind of like if this didn't happen and this didn't happen then there would have been funding for the NHS, then it would have been this, then it would have been that. So um, all of those things. And then obviously when uh, I lost my girlfriend, that was like a whole another weight that just went into it. She has about three books alone sort of thing. So like, Damn. yeah, exactly. But like, that was the love of my life, bro. Do you know what I'm saying? So for me, it was like, I don't know, bro, that shit hurt, man. Do you know what I mean? That yeah. shit just hurt a lot. So there wasn't really any way for me to kind of- How old are you? 27. 27. Mm. So I don't know what happened around when you was 24, 23. Mm. Okay. So it happened. It just, it feels like time's flown by, but at the time it felt like the longest time in the mm. world. Like everything was happening so slowly for me. So, so how did you help regain your confidence to stop getting yourself back out there? So, um, yeah. So, so when I was, when I was still in the flat in the first two months um, with like my ex-brethren, he was, because he was furloughed as well, like he basically, when you're furloughed, like you don't really have anything to do. Like you're not allowed to work. So he was like trying to basically become a producer at the time. Like he was making beats and stuff. So he was just like, oh, why don't you just like, maybe like if you say things out loud, it will help you release them. So I thought, okay, cool. So at first I started like reading the book just on the beats he was trying to create. Um, and then when I realized it was kind of helping me just like, it wasn't really reading, I was like shouting them to be honest. Like, I just thought if I should, because a lot of the stuff in there was quite angry. So when I shouted it, it felt like I was getting it off of my chest. So then after like, I guess like a week or so of literally just doing that every day, because he wasn't making beats every day. So he'd make a beat and then he'd just give it to me and then I'd just be in my room shouting and shouting and shouting and shouting and shouting and he'd just be in his room doing whatever he was doing, playing Xbox or making beats or whatever. And then I got to the point where like, I just kind of wanted it to make a bit more sense. So I started using RhymeZone, which is like a website that you basically get rhyming words from and just finding rhyming words that would relate to whatever I wanted to basically say. And then I could just try and restructure it. It was quite difficult because like, I wasn't like 
like I'm not, I wasn't a rapper, do you know what I mean? I just, I had like 116 bar in school that I was like using, <laughs> like literally talking about like football training and shit like that. So like, and sometimes I still throw them bars in, in my ciphers now, to be fair. But like, <laughs> because bro, that's like, <laughs> that's me, what am I supposed to do? So um, yeah, so I kind of just, um, I just, rem I remember that 16 bar, like that's the only one I remember from school. Like I had, I must have had like another one or two, but like I cannot remember them for the love of me. So um, that's the only one I seem to always remember. And I just kind of went off of that structure. Um, and that, I think that was kind of like a grime 16, I think at the time. So yeah. just went off of that structure to try and like rebuild like the bars. Um, and then I was just listening to a lot of rappers. I think I was listening to a lot of like Heady at that time. Uh, <laughs> Frosty, who are also like, um, I was listening to, um, oh, what's his name? This was around the time that, that you know that song? Zanny does, was I does, brand new ride. Jack Boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, them, yeah. Them, them, that, all of that stuff like was coming out around that time. So, uh, yeah, it's Don Tolliver. Right, I knew it was Don Tolliver. <laughs> <laughs> I said Jack Boys because One I thing thought... I didn't agree no, but they worked that, together, now. Huh? And Jack Boys not worked with Don Tolliver. That's what I thought they worked with Don No, they have... It's a different tune, though. Like, it's on a, it's on a different tune, but not that tune. Well, that tune is Don Tolliver. No, that, that tune is Don Tolliver. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, yeah, and I kind of just wanted to figure out a way to make it make musical sense. So um, I was still quite dead, to be honest. Like... When I was in a flat, then when I moved to my parents' house, I was just listening to beats and writing, listening to beats and writing, listening to beats and writing. Um, and then I found, uh, so I actually originally had like one engineer, I can't remember his name now, but um, he had like a, a flat in Clapham and uh, I'd go to basically him and like record stuff with him, just like at first like testers. This was before I ever like even thought like, I was ever gonna like make music. This was just like, okay, cool. I just wanna record it so I can listen back to it. Cause if I listen back to it, I'll feel like maybe I've achieved something and I'll release something and I've just got it out. Um, and I remember like showing it to, so I had another person, um, my physio basically, her name's Sam. Like Sam is incredible. Like I can't explain, like Sam is such an unreal person. Like she's not just a physio, like she's a friend um, and like, I could just talk to her openly and honestly as well. And I remember showing her the first thing and like she she broke down. So, and for oh. me that was like, firstly mad that she broke down, but secondly, it touched me that like I could express my feelings in music and, and it made somebody feel a certain emotion. So I just thought, okay, cool. Well, if I can do that, then like, and it's helping me, like I'm gonna continue doing it sort of thing. So I was with that engineer for like, I don't know, maybe like only like two or three months because he was like mad cheap. It was like £10 an hour. And then like his mix and masters were £8, which I know sounds wild. I know what you're thinking, like what? It, um, but yeah, he was just doing it in his bedroom, like comfortable setting. He was a really cool guy. Then he moved to Kent, like so far away. Um, and I remember going there one time and like, it was just like two and a half hours to get there or something like that. So I was just like, yo, like a... I just don't think I can come this far anymore, bro. Like it's bare far. Um, then I found another guy on Instagram, Veli, who's like my main guy now. Like I, I record at quite a few places and I work with quite a lot of people. I'm always open to, to working with new people and networking, man, because I feel like the more people you meet, um, the more opportunity you have to to spread some positivity and, and add some value to people's lives. So, um, but Veli's been like, like a solid rock for a very long time for me sort of thing. I met him and I remember Cause I had Instagram at that time, but like I didn't have like any tunes out or anything. I just had like, what did I have? I think I was working on a freestyle with, um, I can't remember. <laughs> <It's gone laughs> I can't remember. I can't, just, so another thing as well that you should probably know is um, like, uh, I got memory problems now because of, because of the accident, because of like head trauma. So like, I can't always remember things, which is like peak, especially because I'm a rapper. And obviously I need to be on stage and remember yeah, my bars. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. 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 Because it's man. peak, bro. How, how many performances you done now? <sighs> <laughs> like maybe, maybe what, over a hundred? Maybe, maybe more? I was gonna say, yeah, yeah, I was yeah gonna definitely. Say, have you ever forgot your bars on stage? 
I just freestyle if I forget, to be honest with you. I just <laughs> freestyle yeah. and then I and then I just catch it back again. I just freestyle and then I catch it back. So but um no, nah, I don't think I've ever forgotten, like actually forgotten, forgotten my bars. I like maybe like one or two words. There's definitely been ones where like I'm spitting it and I'm like, shit. What's the next bar? Like, and I know it's coming and I'm like, shit, 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 what's the next bar? And then I'll just, I'll just. I'll just say something else in the same flow and then I'll catch it again sort of thing. So, because um, I, I used to practice like loads and now I think I just kind of, you know, like when you practice mm. something for, I think, how many hours is it they say it is? 10,000 hours. 10,000 hours, you become like professional at it. Yeah, I feel yeah. like I've done. The bars, you got that emotional connection to them Yeah, exactly. Well. So for me, it's like I'm telling a story every time I, well, not every So time, what was like, the first song you told your story on? Was it the song called Lovely Day? Yeah, it is Lovely Day, actually. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's Lovely Day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember. So um, Veli uh, basically had like a collection of beats and he sent me this one. And it just like, I remember I hadn't even written anything at all yet for it. So I just, I got the beat through and it was like quite an emotional beat. Like I has a vocal chop on it. Um, and it wasn't like too fast. It's like, a, I think it's like a 145 drill beat or something like that. Um, and I don't know, I just heard it. And I remember when I started writing it, I just felt really good while I was writing all of the bars out. Like it just felt so like, like a mad weight just came off my chest when I was writing all the bars out. Cause I could, I was writing it in a good structure. Like I felt like I was telling the story properly and I just felt like I was releasing it. And then I remember, when I got into the studio, like Veli had like no clue what I was gonna come up with in the studio. Cause I remember the first, first couple of times I met Veli, I think the first song we, we did together was The System. Mm. Um, and I just, cause I was practicing so much. I just did the whole song the whole way through. I didn't do it in takes or anything, just the whole mm. song the whole way through. And he had about eight men in the studio with him at that time. Cause obviously the first time he met me, I'm in a valley. He's thinking what the hell is gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then after that we made Margin Boo. Um, I like and that then song. yeah 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 that's one of my favorites I would say um, and then after Margin B he gave me this beat and yeah I just thought like I need to I guess be a bit more real with myself and just I don't know try and get more stuff off my chest sort of thing so when I wrote it like I had to go back and read through some of the books to reference some stuff so because I, I like I said my memory is not great so I couldn't remember everything so the books actually so the documentation was yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so the books are actually really good to help me kind of get a timeline for certain things sort of thing. Like now, now more time we just use videos because uh, mm -hmm. I try and record everything that we're doing day to day, but uh, the books are still really helpful references. So yeah, I wrote it, went into the studio, spat it, broke down in the studio. Like bro. it's as simple as that. Like it's so deep, bro. Like even, and I've performed it a few times and like it's been difficult. It's not an easy one to perform. Like I, it's not an easy one to perform. Like every time I perform it, like I relive like the incident again and stuff. So like basically, the last, I think the last time I performed it was Hardest Bars Live um, with Ellie Prohan and Joey Clipstar. And like based Jeez, off of that, yeah, I got co-signed from them both from that. And um, yeah, I got my first radio play from Ellie from that. And Jeez. like basically been on their radar since like Joey's invited me for a free stuff, but that literally drops next week now. So, Sick. but like that like, was probably the hardest one I ever did because like that was the biggest room like full of people that it would ever I've ever performed that song in. Before it was all just like I remember when I first started it was just open mics and like pubs and stuff like that. So just to try and I guess get my confidence up. So um yeah, I haven't performed it since then and that was like I don't know, like a year ago or something. So I just tried to stay away from it really to be honest. Like it's just it's too hard. It's it's just too hard to to like, to get out without having an issue. So when did you start wearing the, the belly? Or should I call it a mask? Pretty much like, so I had like a, or I have like a, a medical one or like a couple of medical ones. Mm -hmm. And those were what I was originally like wearing most of the time. So, and then like their compression sleeves and stuff. So they like keep your scarring flat and um, stop the like, scars from like raising and, and getting like hard and stuff like that. So um, I think it was like, 
because I had the the other like bandagey kind of stuff, and oh my gosh, they I used to have to use this stuff called like liquid paraffin, which is basically it's basically liquid Vaseline. That's probably the easiest way to to explain it, isn't it? Mm. And it was like so oily like you have to just put it on all the time make sure your face is always like lubricated like there's nothing nigga shut up (laughs) 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 i knew i knew i knew he was gonna do that (laughs) you haven't got a choice but (laughs) (laughs) you have to you have to bro so Actually, yeah, you have to put it on so that the um, the scars don't dry up too fast. Because if they dry, they get hard. And <laughs> pause. <laughs> I knew he was gonna leave me alone, bro. If they dry, um, they can get crusty and stuff, um, uh, and, it, and then your skin basically can break again. One, f- oh, I remember I, the most thing I was scared about was like. I used to think, yeah, if I move my arm too much, because I wasn't doing my physio properly with my arm, if I move it too much, the skin was just going to split again because it generally just feels like it can tear at any point. Like, What happens if it tears? Uh, if it tears, you basically need to like clean it up and get it rewrapped and rebandaged again. So it'd just be like cutting your skin again sort of thing. But like, obviously, yeah. you don't want it to just keep tearing constantly. So like, and because the skin is like, so when your skin regrows, it's like baby skin. So it's like fresh skin from, from the start again. So it can sunburn really easily. Um, it can it can rip and tear really easily. Um, it's a lot softer, so if you touch it, like it it will form to whatever you do to it a lot easily yeah. and stuff like that. So you just have to be like really really careful with it. So I was just so scared to like move my arm or like even like raise my eyebrows and shit like that because I just didn't want my skin like ripping up any more than it kind of I guess already was sort of thing. So mm. um, yeah, I was originally just wearing like. Um, like some protective masks and stuff. Like they have like certain materials that are like um, have SPF ratings in them, stuff like that. And obviously I still have to wear like sun cream and stuff like that. Mm. So I was wearing those. And then when I first started doing like shows, I literally just like Googled um, like sun protective like masks or whatever and come across on Amazon like basically a balaclava that had the same material made out of it as the the um, the original thing that they gave me. So I thought, yeah. okay, cool, like, let me try this. Uh, I tried that, did my first shot, which was just like a pub, local pub performance. And I went with like two of my boys who were also like trying to get into music as well. And um, I guess the rest is history. So I just bought like a couple more of them, just so I had like three and they were like black. And then I basically kept having issues like getting into venues, like- Yeah, I was gonna uh, say. Honestly, nightmare, bro, nightmare. And um. Then I thought, okay, cool. Like I need to do something about it. So uh, I started looking up like other colors, but I couldn't find any other colors in the same material. They only seemed to have made in the black one because the black one was for like skiing. And like when you're skiing, like you can still get quite badly sunburnt from the sun. So that's why they were made out of that material sort of thing. So then uh, I found someone online basically who's like a, like a seat, I think they call it seamstress. So they call like people that can like stitch and stuff. Um, And she basically managed to source like all the materials in like basically any color that I wanted. And then she just took my head measurements and then she just started making them for me. So I just pay her her mask. So yeah, I've lost bear, man, it's peak. Bro, I lose masks like socks, bro, it's peak, bro. I swear down, like honestly, it's like, I don't know where they go. I put them in the wash, they don't come out. Do you know what I'm saying? One of those ones. So like, yeah, I'm I'm upset. There's a really nice brown chocolate one I had. I can't find it, bro. I can't find it, but I don't know. I just, (laughs) and I don't want to have to go back to her and be like, oh, can you like, get this material again. Do you know what I mean? This color again, do you know what I mean? Mm. So. Um, How many do you have? I think I'm on about maybe like 12 different colors now. So, cause oh, so I try yeah. and plan like my releases ahead with like a different color in mind each time. So. Okay. Oh, that's unique still. Okay. I try. Okay, so final one is, just to be clear, Moby One stands for May Our Blessings Inspire One, right? Yeah, it does, yeah. What's your final message you would leave to anybody who's going through the same experience um, he was previously going through? I would basically say just take it day by day. Uh, it's really important that you do that. Uh, focus on one thing at a time. Um, do your therapy. It's really important that you do because it will help and things will get better slowly and surely. It does take time. It's not an overnight situation. I'm not perfect. I'm still going through it myself. Um, but things do get better, they really do. Um, and as long as you have a good support network around you, 
um, make sure that you are using them and talking to them because they're going to be there for you and they will help you. Mm-hmm. And what's the support network you're going to big up? Uh, the Katie Piper Foundation, 100%, man. Um, yeah, if you're, if you're even if you're just, if you're not a burn survivor or if you've even had the, the smallest burn to the biggest burn or if you're just struggling with your mental health as well, they can help. They can help you out massively. Um, you can pretty much find them everywhere on all social medias. Um, you can just give them a call um, and like they'll be happy to help set you up on their program somewhat and see how they can like help you with whatever it is that you might be going through. But like they're really, really good people. It's a great foundation um, and um, they're forward thinking. So sick, 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 perfect. I see. Oh, wait, 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 before you turn it off, uh, I've got gifts for you guys. A gift? A gift? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, sounded like bricks in that though. Hold yeah, on. Yeah, sure. oh, my bag is breaking a little bit, but I came with um, some of these. These are Moby packs. Jeez. What are these? What's this? So they just have like, um, if you scan the barcode, it goes to like my link tree. Um, oh, and then also inside there, you've got um, like a pair of earbuds. So like I know that a lot of people go to music shows and stuff, it can get quite loud. So it's just for them to basically protect their ears when they're at shows because sometimes the speakers are a bit loud. Um, then there's also um, just a pin badge in there. Uh, and then there's a little motivational message in there as well just to keep people moving, keep people in good spirits and stuff, you know? So, Sick. Yeah. Show the camera. Scander, scander. Now that's actually, that's... Uh, I got one more thing. Uh, this oh. is for you guys as well. It's just a bottle of no, lovely. yeah, no. made me feel no. bad. For coming. Uh, appreciate no. you lot having me on in it. So, yeah. yo, I'm actually <laughs> yes, bro. No, nah, man, you what guys it? deserve it, man. You're doing great work, so What's I'm that? very grateful. I don't drink, so I wouldn't know. Oh, it's Prosecco, it's Prosecco. So it's like... A man don't need to drink... It's sparkling white wine. <laughs> it's bro, he's quick, bro. He's a grown... He's an adult, you know. Come on, bro. Oh, Prosecco. I've heard of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no. That's no. That's no. Oh, my God. No way. Appreciate it. No, no you, guys are, like, you guys are doing really great work. Like, you're, you're giving people a platform and a voice to share their stories. And I guess, for me, this is a form of therapy, being able to speak to you guys about it and go a bit deeper into it and stuff and I'm sure it will be for a lot of other people as yeah, well so be, we're very grateful man